Hey everyone, how are you? My name is Blair Sinta. Welcome to Recording Drums with Blair Sinta. Today my guest is Adam Criscow. Adam is an incredible drummer as well as a great human being and has a also a passion for woodworking which is uh which has really become interesting to uh his recording career here in LA that we're going to get into. If you don't know Adam, he has toured with Tegan and Sarah, Troy Sivan, Igrid Michelson, and lately he's doing a lot of recording for composer Dan Romer, and he is the drummer on Pixar's Luca. And Adam has a, uh, a new space where he uh, is making furniture, pretty awesome woodworks and things like that, and also now recording drums out of. Um, so we get into some really interesting kind of cool territory, how kind of a secondary career uh, that he started um, has really morphed with his drumming career and the space that he's in and how he's utilized that, even though I don't think they were ever intended to come together. All right. If you enjoy the podcast, please give it a high rating on uh, whatever podcast you listen to. Give it a thumbs up here on YouTube. Please share it to other drummers or engineers, anybody you think would be interested in. Uh, I have a couple courses for sale. Introduction to Recording Drums and improve your groove those are available on my website or you can click the link and get a pdf to my go-to recording gear for my studio everything from headphones to mic pre's to microphones you name it that's a little free pdf you can click the link below here on youtube or if you're on my instagram page it's the link there all right without further ado here is adam Criscow. take it away adam yeah, I think that's a hundred percent the thing, and 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 I think too, I I got a little burnt out, probably with the business side of music, um, and the constant chasing of things, and I got tired, uh, you know, from touring constantly, and I think um, having having the woodworking has been has has like reinvigorated the inspiration juices on all fronts. It's making me more excited to sit down at the kit because it is such a special time now every single time I do get to sit down and play and it's you know like I don't know just something to have that that really gets your brain moving in a creative fashion well I think will always foster creativity on both sides yeah and then I would I would imagine it also clears your brain for perspective so when you do sit down you're like okay I'm sitting down for a purpose not yeah. just to sit down and like you know hack through a bunch of paradiddles or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. You're like, I'm going to totally. sit down and play something because there's a goal in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Or, I mean, and sometimes there is no, the, the only goal is like finding the childhood bliss of what it means to play along with the record front to back. And like, how often were we doing that when we were all touring all the time? probably never right so it's like all of a sudden i have this opportunity to go yeah i'm exhausted i've worked all day but it's 9 30 at night i have nothing to do right i want to go to my shed and i'll go you know just play along the fella cootie records as long as my body can handle it right you know right and just see what happens yeah that's dope yeah it's fun i mean yeah i, I i'm i'm just so grateful that it has like inspired me to go get back in the shed or right you know right yeah because i'm i've never been a huge practicer but that's now it's like 
now that time the time is far and few between so it's it's encouraging you know all right so let me so so like just to transition to recording are you working on things that you feel like you need to work on like what's the incentive behind the practice is it like uh like oh that'd be fun and i really want to learn that or is it like i really need to hone in on like like tony allen stuff like mm-hmm. like is there is that what's the it you know i i mean at this point i guess i would say it's ultimately facility because because i have been playing less i do notice areas where my facility is just not as up to par as it was right. um uh you know this, but I, you know, I have a jazz degree and that's what I thought I was going to be doing for my whole life. And so honestly, most of my time has gone back shedding bebop stuff and like just playing ride cymbal for a while and just seeing how I can make all that feel because I think that's ultimately what got me a ton of work early on is people found out I could play quietly and there was a ton of singer songwriters who didn't want to really hear the drums, but they wanted to feel them. And I was like, great, I can do that. Um, and it's funny on this over the past weekend, I played uh, with an artist named Angel Olson and it's the, the dynamics of the gig range from brushes to me almost breaking my sticks at some points in the set. Right. Um, and the brushes part was, I was like, man, Oh shit. It's been a while. I really, and it's simple stuff, but it, it wasn't like, it wasn't that really honed in just like perfect swish happening all the time. And so, yeah, it's making me want to go practice again. And, and the, the whole ride simple pattern thing really, at least for me, it's like that goes away. You know what I mean? Like yeah. The strength, the muscle tone in there. And then when you lose that, you start to lose that feel. And you know, you know that you know it in your head. You're like, it's not right. It's not right. And then maybe yeah. ten minutes in, you're like, oh, it's finally happening. Like that happens to me. Yeah. You know. I'm glad you get it in ten minutes. I'm still looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> I might have I might have exaggerated there. <laughs> yeah. But totally. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. It's it's definitely gone. I don't remember the last time I played a jazz gig. I would love to do some weird trio hit in a bookstore with that. I don't tell anybody about and, and just have fun with that. That would be great. Yes. Um, I know where you, have... you can just hide out and do it. Yeah. 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 Um, do you feel like, uh, how much do you feel like, like learning like jazz, like helped, just your overall feel or, or understanding different feels, especially in like recording, you know, recording non-jazz, you know, understanding swing, stuff like that. Uh, honestly. Yeah, actually that's, that's been a huge thing. Um, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it a whole bunch, but I would say that one of the composers that I work with the most is a guy named Dan Romer. He and I were in a band together in college. Um, and you know, we've been working together ever since we met freshman year of college. Um, And I will say like a big thing for him and for me, um, becoming his go-to percussionist, a lot of it has been a swing feel thing. And, and, and he cited this, you know, many, many times, like he'll ask a drummer to play a swing feel. And if they don't have a deep, 
not that I have the most deeply rooted history of swing, but I've played enough of it to, that I can move the swing feel around to be tighter or looser, depending on what the artist, the composer, the song dictates. And, um, and I think that's where it's come in huge is, is because of, you know, examining Jimmy Cobb's ride pattern, examining Elvin's ride pattern. We know that there are pretty wide differences there or Jack or, the list goes on yeah but but to be able to kind of mimic all those on on an intimate level uh and then reapply them into a swung setting in the studio i think is super super valuable right and we're not talking about playing on a ride cymbal either we're talking about playing on a a big big bass drum or a whatever a clave oh yeah 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 i mean whatever's in front of you the feel is is going to be necessary and at this point too like uh, 95% of the recordings that I do for film and TV, the drums are already pre-programmed. They're already there. They're samples. And the composer literally says, I want you to do this. So it just has a human feel and we'll probably still layer in the samples, but we need the human feel element. And we know that you'll supply that. Right. Um, so that's a, actually a perfect transition to like, you know, some stuff that we were doing together. In yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's funny cause I was, I was thinking about this. I was like, I was like, I don't know if I want to divulge, you know, like some of that, but I was like, no, that's actually perfect. So we, you called, well, you had been rec- here to record, like I dr- recorded you a bunch playing pop tunes or whatever. And then you yep. called me and you said, Hey, Dan, Dan is going to score for uh, Superman. What's the, what's the show called again? It's called Superman and Lois. Superman and Lois. Right. Yeah. So we did one episode here at my house and we crammed and we got good sounds, but, but it was also like, Hey, sounds, it's not big enough. Like, like we need, you need a bigger space and you transitioned to your warehouse, which is like, to me is like super awesome. Interesting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So yeah. It, it's... Talk, talk, talk about like the space you have, why you have it. And then how it's now become like, <laughs> what it is you know what i mean yeah 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 sure um i i mean how 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 deep in the in the furniture realm do you want uh, uh, well okay. it's your it's your call okay yeah i i mean yeah for for people who don't know me um already and i feel like the majority of the of, you know friends of ours who know me know the story but i started i became really fascinated with building furniture uh, 3 or 4 years ago and um, that quickly turned into uh, a second career for me. And of course, started putting me in wood shops. Um, and I've been in like three different spaces now, but uh, just this year I signed a lease for my own space uh, in Cypress Park. And it turns out that it's, you know, it's, it's a rather large 3000 square foot open room. Um, it, it's actually part of like a, a, a 6,000 square foot building. Um, and when we first moved in, it wasn't my lease at the time, but um, it was just a big wide open space. And I said, man, I really need to go play my drums in there before we move anything in. So <clears throat> I just, I rolled up one day before anybody moved in. I set up my jazz kit. I set up um, like a bigger rock kit and just played in the room and it sounded freakishly huge and insane. And I had never 
you know, I had played a couple arenas at this point, but you know, there's always mics that turn on after two minutes and you don't get to hear the sound of the room. So it was the first time of really experiencing that room. Um, so cut to a few months ago, I ended up taking over the lease. Um, and I had never really had the time and space to record in the room because it was always somebody else's space, but now it's mine. Um, so the, the biggest issue with Dan has been that there's a lot, there's less and less time that he has available to track me playing drums. So he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have the space to um, record stuff at his home or he was moving or the time. And then there wasn't a budget to go hire out Ocean Way or United or whatever. Um, that's the same thing, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. They're actually not the same thing if you ask them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Right. Yes. Right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Dan just said, well, why don't we just like try and record in your shop and just see what happens. And, you know, with, within 30 minutes of the first recording session, he wrote to me right away and was like, this is exactly the sound we've been looking for. This is perfect. Um, and, and I should say too, like, it's not perfect at all. There's no treatment up. The only sound treatment that you get is whatever pieces happen to be in the shop at the time uh, <laughs> you know what i mean so that's changing all the time it changes all every day right. every day there's you know something gets built something gets torn down something gets right. moved right you know i guess you could think about it as like diffusers spread out across sure. the room sure um and and i haven't it's a very I don't want to say DIY, but it's a very like gorilla setup. Like I just set up in the same place every single time. Okay. And I haven't tried any other places in the room. I, okay. It's just the first tried because it's closest to my workbench and it happened to work. So I just left it. Is it kind of a corner um, or are you in the center <clears throat> of the room or like? Um, I would say I'm like uh, 20 feet off of a corner, but, but facing into a corner, if that makes sense. Okay. Like I'm, I'm, uh, facing diagonally across the room. I'm not We're talking there. three so three thousand square feet, right? We're talking three thousand square feet. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so twenty, you know, I think the, the room is probably uh twenty by thirty. Does that math check out? Nope. It doesn't like but, yeah. How high? Yeah. So we're talking fourteen foot ceilings as well. Anywhere anywhere from like yeah fourteen to sixteen. Okay. Uh, in the middle because it's an arched ceiling I, I think that might also have some help in there too right so nothing is truly parallel between the floor and the ceiling uh and then yep. the room itself is is fairly um square but there's also weird change you know like because we we divided the room um legally though we can't have walls that go floor to ceiling so mm -hmm. uh, it's for fire code right so yeah. uh there's a whole 2000 square foot chamber that is empty or, you know, has other wood shops, electrical shops, but there's a six inch gap between my room and their room. So I don't know that that might have some effect on some of my sound. I don't have any mics in there. I don't know if that's like, if that chamber is reverberating and spitting back out into mine. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, what I do is I set up in the same place every time pretty much use the same mic configuration for Dan mm -hmm. whenever I record Dan. Um, which is what? Which is, yeah. Uh, 
there's there's a, a close mic du jour. Usually it's it's been the um, the SE kick mic. Right. This is on on most everything to be honest. Um, just because I'm lazy and I don't want to change mics out, but that that works really well on all the floor tom, bass drum, you know, larger low stuff. Right. Um, I have a pair of uh, Royer 121s about 10 feet off the kit or off the the playing position. Okay. And and those are in bloom line. Okay. Um, and then I have uh, a pair of Dan's um, Peluso 47 SE. Is that the it's like a, it's like a 47 clone okay you know tube mic and those i have just as far as the mic cables will reach so like 50 feet i wouldn't say 50 but like yeah probably close to 30 okay wow yeah yeah um and that's it uh and that's that's for all so we're recording a new show called station 11 i don't know when that comes out um, or what network it comes out on, but so a, a bunch of the drums on that are done in that fashion. Um, uh, no matter, no matter the drum, whether it's a snare or a, you know, concert bass drum or a triangle, this mic mic configuration just kind of stays. It stays up, uh, you know, as per request of the composer. Um, but yeah, the only thing I'll change is gain staging, right. um, and. and and also, I will say, like, I've been incredibly fortunate in that I'm not terribly plug-in literate, EQ literate. I'm not very literate in, in the recording world. Um, and in all these instances, all these composers just want line level. Thank God, because I don't, like, if I could put some sauce on it, I've messed around with it over the years. Right. Um, but more often than not, that's why I'm also coming to you is because I know you'll, you can help us craft a, a really great sound for what we're looking for. Right. But in, in all these instances, everybody's just like, I want it raw. I want to be able to do whatever I want to it. Just give me line level. Right, because they're going to blend with samples or, or put, the, put the amount of ambience that they want or whatever. Totally, totally. Yeah. And, and really, it's just like I need to look out for phasing. And usually right. that's, that hasn't been a problem. Um, I will say it. There, there are so many like woodshop accoutrement that I had lying around that I didn't realize would be such a good help uh, for recording. Like? And that is, like, <laughs> I got a um, uh, a laser measuring tape. Um, oh. You know, it's like a long range measuring tape. So if you get in, like it's for contractors, right? You go into a big space, you need to measure how long it is from your back wall to your front wall. It's 50 feet and three quarter inches. But now all of a sudden I can do that from my drum position to my mic position and go, oh, okay, that's 25 feet. Oh, that's 25 feet. Good. You know? Whoa. Yeah. So I'm not like dragging it. Everyone so run to Home Depot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The price is about to go up. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I highly recommend that. And also um, uh, be sure that you check the distance on them there's like cheaper ones that will only go 80 feet and then the next tier up goes 150 feet whatever um i think i have a dewalt it's great i recommend it yeah uh, sponsor <laughs> it's been huge uh, and then like the other day um dan is really into uh, a balkan instrument called a tupon 
which for all intents and purposes is a Balkan bass drum. Okay. But one side is really low and then the other side is cranked really high and it's a really thin head. Traditionally it's played with a mallet on one side and then the other side is called a switch, okay. which, is, which is a really thin, you know, kind of like a piece of cane or um, it, like even a, a vibraphone mallet is too thick. Like it's a very thin, flexible stick. I couldn't really tell you hmm. the, the exact, it's probably like a, a thick grass, maybe a bamboo would work well. So is that like, if you, if you use something else, you might go through the head? Uh, is that thin or it just makes a tonal thing? Oh, it's a tonal difference. Okay. Yeah, it's all a tonal difference. So then all of a sudden I realized, oh man, I have a pile of scrap paint stirring sticks. Great. This is going to sound perfect as a switch. And that's what I've been using. And like, you know. Did you find the perfectly balanced straight one or? <laughs> <laughs> it is a square piece of uh, quarter inch um, Baltic birch plywood. I do need to uh, right. smooth over the edges because I did make some marks, but. Okay. Have you tried different colored paints on it to see if that helps? No, but I bet, yeah, I'm sure like acrylic would have a nicer feel than it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of amazing, man. And then, oh, did you buy this? Did you buy one or did Dan have one and, and loan it to you? This a Tupon? Yeah. Yeah, he has. He has a couple. He's kind of like on the, oh, okay. the yeah. Fortunately, uh, we're in the position that if Dan really wants a certain sound, he will do the research or i'll do it with him and we'll go find a couple different drums to use and and over the course of different scores we've purchased you know some some kind of holy grail drums some not as much so it's it's kind of great for me because it means my collection doesn't have to grow that much either you know you get to I don't play with the toys yeah yeah but i get to play with the toys yeah yeah, yeah for sure wow yeah and now I've moved my entire drum collection to the shop too, because uh, I've lost my drum storage for whatever reason. Um, you know, the place that they were ended up closing. And so I moved everything into my shop. And so now it's like, it's even better. I can just go into my storage room and pick out whatever I need and bring it into the shop. Um, I, I will say the biggest pain in the ass is the fact that I have to tear down and set up every single time I want to so, record. Something. But you're, so you're doing some full kit tracking in there too. I've done a little bit of full kit tracking. It's, so far, it's pretty minimal. Um, okay. the, the sonic world that it sits best in so far has been like Motown or James Brown era hmm. or Bebop era stuff. Because right. in those instances, I'll use my SE up front. And then I have, um, I have Michael Jolie modded Octava Mod MK12s, okay. um, yeah. which, you know, KM84 kind of clone situation sure. uh and those seem to be the the mics that i get the most questions about and also in my opinion are some of the most perfectly transparent overheads that i've used that i own anyway mm -hmm. they always seem to work they they right. yeah they pick up a really wide frequency and then they give you a really realistic image of what you're hearing right um many times i'll just set up those two stereo overheads and then the kick mic in front and that's it or I've even done like a single Royer over the kit and a single Royer five feet off the kit. Wow. And like it, it gives off enough of reverb from the room because I don't have any gobos or anything. Right. You know, like the reverb from the room will provide all the space that you need. Yeah. And, and it totally sits in, in like 
yeah, like late 50s bebop era sound right. recording or right. like 60s funk era stuff like the snare just travels that perfect amount yeah that that feels like it's in a motown recording or something like that right so but do you are you finding that maybe things are brighter like snares are brighter in that room or like if you really wanted like heavy rock it's going to come out more like 90s sound gardeny stuff as opposed to like you know, kind of in your face, low end. Yeah. Yeah. I bet with the right people, like if Brendan O'Brien came in there, I'm sure it'd be a different story. Right. But for now, the biggest difference I notice is that um, like my superphonic, if I crank it, uh, I'm sorry. Um, no, the cheaper one. I'm totally forgetting. Acrylite. Thank you. If I crank my Acrylite in any other room, it sounds pretty high and it sounds kind of thin, but you know, they have enough body, but yep. in my, in my wood shop, it sounds much lower in pitch than I would have expected. Really? Okay. Yeah. Which is, I don't, can't really explain that. Okay. Yeah. You know, somebody with a physics degree or, <laughs> or like a deeper knowledge <laughs> could, could tell me probably, but uh, I don't, yeah, that's the only biggest difference I've known. I haven't mic'd up a full kit and really tried to like blast something out um if if i've ever you know played full volume with a full kit it's been like two mics and then just put decapitator on them and yeah try and john bonham everything and right, make right. it otherworldly sounding um but i'm yeah i'm fascinated to see what it's going to be like if someone calls and wants a tighter sound I'm I'm guessing I call you to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing I'm guessing in your back of your mind you're like you're going to build some gobos at some point and just just to have them. I don't know. Really? I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's well, yeah, it's a lack of free time to do that. Sure. I get <laughs> you it. Know. Materials um, like it's, you know. Yeah, material costs and all that, but I I think um there is there is a second room that I have in the building that is uh, uh, that I try and rent out as a photo studio, um, and that room is like fourteen by twenty, uh, maybe fifteen by twenty, and with fourteen foot ceilings as well. Um, there are some standing waves in there, but I do I am considering building a couple gobos for that room if I want to start tracking in that room. Um, it, somehow out of nowhere, I've stumbled into a place where I have a big room, a medium room, and then there are small offices in the front that if I really wanted to track and cram myself into, I could and get like an LCD, super dry, whatever sound. You could, um, you could go so full, full, full drumbrella, man, in your room and maybe that would <laughs> I mean, just go I, could. <laughs> I could. I could. Yeah. Man, to whoever built that, I feel for them because now knowing what I know about, you know, building objects on the other side of that feels like it would be such a pain in the ass to figure out but they do sound incredible they do sound great i'm very excited for you and i'm excited for me to come over there once you do that and <laughs> please yeah <laughs> can't wait to have you over yeah man man that is that's so cool though um how it kind of worked itself backwards you know what i mean like yeah the woodworking thing just you know it's like a second passion and then it drums found their way like the recording thing found its way into that world it's kind of kind of crazy 
it's it's yeah it's something i'm super grateful to have and um it, i i'm i'm amazed that i've that i can do both i, I don't want to say i've figured it out yet but i'm i'm just like there you know there are days of course we all we're all exhausted and it happens you know the the only unfortunate part of the scenario is if i am going to record it has to be at night and usually that means i've worked a full day in the shop and then i start recording at 7 p.m really okay because there's other people working yeah i rent bench space to other guys in the shop i have an employee like i'm not going to tell everybody to (laughs) stop working so i can make a 150 bucks you know (laughs) but um (laughs) so so i gotta do it at night and also okay let's let's be real about it this is a, a an industrial building on a pretty major it's on Figueroa so it's you know for those of you who don't live in LA like there's there's a bit of traffic on there um it also seems to be a strip uh where dudes with uh people with loud cars like to rev their engines as they speed up and down the street right there's a dog next door who barks at anything that walks by the house so so yeah there are takes when I have to stop halfway because a car ruined it you know there's not isolation at all it's a it's a sheet metal door right wow i've had crickets appear and can't find them and feel like you know like the old guy looking for right um right. the fire alarm that keeps chirping every 10 minutes but he doesn't know where it is <laughs> it's like that and and you know fortunately um you know dan has a great crew of people working he was just like you know record the cicadas and then we'll we'll re-sample them in and we'll phase right. it out and it'll be fine, <laughs> you know, but so it's, it, it is a pretty, it's still very guerrilla oriented and, and it, there's like a magic about it. And maybe that lends itself, you know, like maybe the cicadas would actually work somehow into the sound and we don't know it yet. I mean, it, to me, it's just fascinating that like you're playing on, you know, f- soundtracks, film and TV in this in- environment in 2021 and it is so gorilla yet it's you know going to like major networks and like Pixar <laughs> and stuff like that i mean to me that's that's the whole fascinating thing about like this subject to me and why why i knew it would be great to talk to you because like whether you're in a like a bedroom closet or like a warehouse in industrial downtown LA and fighting like cicadas and dogs and, and, and back, you know, backfiring mufflers. Yet it's going to like freaking movie theaters and like Netflix and whatever. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, it is. It is pretty, I guess I (laughs) I hadn't really, I hadn't really thought about that so much, you know, I'm sure there will be like an aha moment. I should have had them already, um, but I, I feel like there will probably be one coming, or at least I hope, you know, where we get to kind of divulge that to the executives. And... <laughs> Maybe this is it. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> You've um, been recording where? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like, you know, the way they, if you, th- let's just, for example, like how they would have, were you know, recorded like Star Wars with John Williams, right? Mm. I mean, it's kind of a good example or like, you know, whatever Superman with John Williams. Right. (laughs) Right. And now you're recording the same character, same story. Yeah. In a, in a woodshop warehouse, 
you know, with these elements happening, but you're doing it and it works. Yeah. It's working. And like, that's just, that's awesome. It's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty fun. I'm, I'm certainly excited. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So you, from what I remember, you're, you're doing the uh, Apollo uh, eight. I have an eight XP. Eight XP. And then I also have, um, connected via ADAT, I have a, um, a really old interface called a, a Mackie Onyx Blackbird, which is just another eight channel interface. It's Firewire. To be honest, I, I went through the steps of like hooking it up, um, but I don't think it's going to work anymore. <laughs> like I just, I haven't actually used more than five channels since I've moved into my space. Um, if I wanted to use 16 channels, I think to the, you know, something like you need to use the software that came with the program or that came with the hardware to use it, even in ADAP format. And right. they don't, they haven't updated the software to work on whatever OS I'm on now. So yeah, it's like, yeah. I, it, it could just be wasting space in there. Um, but for now it's all in a rack unit and, and I, you know, I roll it out, uh, whenever I need to set things up and um, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds great. I know that's what you use at your place as well. Right. Yeah, I, the, the yeah. 16, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So I don't, I don't, I guess if I were to do any upgrades at all, it would be to get a 16 channel union. But I, other than that, so I don't see how long does it take you to set up? Like probably takes anywhere from half an hour to 45 minutes. Yeah. But and then you probably have a pretty good system at this point, like even measuring your mics with the laser thing in the face, right? Yeah. Well, once I, you know, honestly, once I did it a couple times and it worked, um, I now have just markings on the floor that I know, oh, there's that, you know, there's the divot in that concrete and in, okay. in that block. And I know where to put the stand there. And, right. um, and the, you know, the height of the microphones might change by inches here and there, but yeah. generally in the same space, you know, um and, and yeah it it's still a pain in the ass and like the minute i can start to afford to hire an assistant of any sort that's what they're going to be doing <laughs> you know? you're going into a laptop yeah yeah and and an old laptop at that because my new m1 doesn't you know <laughs> doesn't support my gear it's, I, I, it's just incredible to me man it's like it's my it's like the fact that you figured this out to me is just like awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. I probably should just get a Mac mini and a screen and call it a day and have that as my, as my rig, but you know, it works for now. Hopefully everything will kept, catch up with the M ones and we won't have these issues and I can use my regular laptop. But for now it's my 2012, uh, 2015, um, you know, MacBook pro. So, yeah. Which is good because it has some ports in it, like some connections. That's what mine is too. The newer ones, you're like yeah. Thunderbolt, and that's it, or or whatever it is now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you ever do you ever record the um? Is that a Roland kit behind you? It is. Yeah. You ever record with that? Um, I've done. You know, I've like demoed a couple podcast themes because I do play a little bit of bass and guitar, like yourself, um, and so uh yeah i have used it um for like some midi stuff um and i gotta say the 
the house drums in Logic actually sound incredible. I think they're Chamberlain, I've heard rumor. I've heard that too. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and they sound great, man. If you can if you can go in there and tweak a little bit, they sound awesome. Um, way better than anything built into that kit. So honestly, um, you know, kind of like I was saying before, the the I I don't really feel um, generally don't feel inspired to practice a whole lot. But if I do feel inspired, it'll be later at night. It'll be like ten or eleven. And all of a sudden I just get this wind of energy. And um, if I don't have enough energy to, to go to my practice space where I have drums, um, yeah, I'll just like play this kit behind me and, and might not even plug it in. Sometimes the rubber actually sounds kind of great and it makes you play other shit. So like, I just dig into that. So, so if you're, if you're grabbing the sounds from logic, yeah. Tell me how that whole, tell me that whole setup how that works oh it's just it's purely a usb cable just from your laptop for, right into my laptop and use it as a midi controller is it like easy drummer or what's the what's where how are the how are the sounds laid out from the laptop to connects with the pads um i believe they're in logic there's a couple roland presets so it knows that it's communicating oh, it just, with the V drum brain. It. Okay. Yep. Sorry, that's my limited knowledge on that. No, no. Okay. Um, and and it's like there's Logic has their own kind of like how Pro Tools has their own set of built-in instruments. Logic has their own drum instrument. Right. Okay. That that unfortunately there is one that spits out a, like an algorithm uh, or AI determined like drum beats, and they actually sound great. And I think they are Matt as well. Uh, maybe a couple other people, but. Um, but yeah, the sounds that they use for those AI instruments can also just be used as a MIDI instrument and they sound, they sound dope. I mean, obviously symbols are tough, but, um, but you can tune, you can tune them all. You can add muting, you can take it off. You can put them in a space, you know, it's, it's probably, um, had I had more experience with superior or any of the Stephen Slate stuff, yep. I, I wouldn't be speaking its praises as much but it's what it's what's there and it you know it's like it's the easiest plug and play version for me to just turn on my computer yeah. and play for 20 minutes and then go to bed i mean kurt biscare yeah. is doing we talked to i talked to kurt like months ago and he's doing a similar thing with his drum cat literally on his drum cat pad and a foot pedal and he's doing tracks like that for people whoa yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's pretty incredible i mean it's why not? You know, I, I yeah. would think you just want to practice trap trap beats with get the, <laughs> pull up your 808s and like work on your hi hat. You know, no, like, no. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like Elish gave me Elish gave me these um, these Billy Martin exercises that it's like some African six eight clave stuff. And honestly, it sounds better on these pads than I think it does on a real kit. I don't know why that. I don't know. So I play the pads acoustically and, and it's just like a nice tool to have, you know, you, you sound better or it sounds better. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I think, I think sonically the pads to me sound a little cooler cause they sound like weird tubby plastic um, drums from another world or like strange cowbells. And I feel like playing it on a drum kit, 
feels way more just like a studied university application of mm -hmm. an art form that shouldn't be played on, you know, or it just like is so often. Vibe. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an inspiring way to practice, right? It's if it sounds cool, you it might take you in some directions. Some yeah. insp inspired directions of practicing as opposed to like, oh, I, I feel like I'm at music school playing these, like learning out of the Latin funk book. Right? <laughs> yeah, funk book exercise 4B. Yeah. Like, no, I can't. I can't do <laughs> with that anyway. Um, and, and that's an interesting point, too. I feel like crossing back over to the recording side of things, I've been discovering recently, um, and maybe it is because of my limited knowledge on, on the plug-in side and hardware side of things, but... Um, I've, I've found that in the studio, I've been, if, if I'm in there with a, an engineer who really knows what they're doing behind the scenes and can provide me with a backdrop to change the kit sound completely, mm -hmm. I'm playing, I'm playing stuff that I never would have played otherwise. And to me, that's like the most exciting part about playing in the studio is when someone goes, all right, well, here's a kit. You've been playing it for 30 odd years. Um, but it's going to sound totally different because we, you know, put a ton of delay on it or whatever, you know, right. Right. Compress the hell out of one, a drum only. And so whenever you hit that one drum, it freaks out. And yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah. That to me is like the most exciting part about recording these days. Um, or, or especially with Dan, you know, he's got these sample libraries that are so deep with the world's strangest drums that they sourced from, you know, somebody's closet and there's only two of the drums that exist in the world and they're in this sample library and now i have to go oh shit what i guess that's like okay that's like a floor tom but maybe with a piece of metal on it but like taped on not just dangling on and like maybe i can mute it with my hand and and hit it with my weird paint stirring stick and that'll sound like the sample okay great we're good to go you know and that's kind of where i get more excited about recording yeah these, these things I had a fun experience a couple of years ago. Uh, my friend James, engineer friend James, called me in to kind of like make some noises on some really unusual drums for Dave Porter. It was for the El Camino. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. But the, So I went to East West, and there was like a 72-inch, technically it was a bass drum, but it was more like a head. Right? Oh, cool. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. already sampled these things, and there was like these huge oil can things with the mallets, and then these kind of octobon things, but like about 20 of them laid out you know what i mean yeah and they just wanted me to come in and play patterns you know with different uh materials you know brushes mm -hmm. or whatever and um or my fingers or whatever just use my creativity as a drummer and man that was like really fun because it was yeah. like something that i would i'll i may never play again you know, they're like, okay, here's this giant drum. <laughs> yeah. 72 inch head. Do something. Yeah. Give you a click. Do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's the, that is the most fun. I would say there was, um, we had, uh, uh, yeah, I believe there's a show that I played on for Dan called maniac. That's on Netflix. Um, uh, it's pro I'm probably biased because I played on it, but I thought it was a really, really great show. Um, and uh, we, Dan really wanted some Tyco drums. So we rented Tycos and brought them to his house. And, and I got to play those for uh, quite a bit. And then we made a sample library for ourselves 
with mm. those drums yeah. and it just like you said man it's just like it definitely kid in a candy store with with an empty bag and and an unlimited wallet so you do you, you put those into your roland kit there ever um i guess i would have to no no because because i would need the contact uh plug oh, in right and then i would need to get the instrument from his assistant i right. could there's no reason <laughs> like i probably should do that what are you waiting for dude <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah i think necessity i think the moment uh, that dan needs me to have a tight dry sound is when i'll build the gobos right you know right and, and the same thing is like oh okay we need you to record this thing on midi and then send it back to us and you know also the other thing about superman is the turnaround times were absurd i i had never experienced it this quick like i would record you know episode two and record episode three the following week and episode two would come out that week i, I remember that because we did we did episode right. one and i literally think it was on the air the next week and it was like what? yeah we were like what how did that happen yeah yeah, yeah totally <laughs> So, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that very well might have to happen soon enough where, yeah, we need you to do it all via MIDI so we can just get it done and yeah. turned out right away. And then, and then you're just sitting in your apartment doing it, like, through those. It's great. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome, man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Were yeah. you, so uh, this is kind of something I ask everybody, like, but were you, when you were, like, what, what was your first like entrance into recording yourself not just like rec being in a recording studio but like yeah was it like where was it like the high school rock band thing and the four track or like what was yeah i mean it well it depends on how deep we want to get um my my dad uh is a musician mm -hmm. he plays guitar mm -hmm. he was a classical guitar major um he but from i mean I started playing when I was three and probably by the age of four and five, he had a little Tascam four track in the house, or I think he at one point had like a TAC reel to reel in the house as well. Mm, cool. So, so yeah, from an early age, I was recording stuff, whether or not I was like doing takes and making sure I got song forms correctly, like is another thing, but yeah, there was always something laying around. Um, or even if it was, uh, um, you know, like the the cassette player in the house that happened to have a record function and a small mic on it. I was doing that. Um, and then by the time high school rolled around, enough people started having like home studios in the neighborhood or, um, you know, or at least nearby that I would start recording there. Um, but it, yeah, like I was in a hardcore band. We recorded in some dude's basement in some like sketchy building at some yeah. point. Um, and then, yeah, like by the time college was rolling around, there was enough like recording experience having to do all those like audition tapes that I started getting pretty comfortable with it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I would say that's probably what, where I had to start recording the most. Like, yeah, I did, you know, the odd like summer camp had like a studio and your band at summer camp would record one shitty take or something or whatever. Right. Right. Um, but, but yeah, but then all of a sudden it was senior year and it's like, you need to send a different audition tape or like the, you know, record four different things, send those around, record a video audition for this place, send that over. And that was to a CD. Yeah. At that point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause for me, that would have been cassette. Right. 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 Yeah. You know, you just literally hit record on your cassette, but like, 
Yeah. I wonder if the video, how I even sent that, I must have put it on a CD at that point. Yeah, DVD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Or it was a QuickTime file on a CDR, I bet. That's oh, my guess. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. So, yeah, okay, but very early on, the, the idea of recording yourself was a thing. Like, right, yeah. right from the beginning of playing. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I, I was very fortunate in that, you know, music was in the house at all times. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, just the concept of recording or my dad was a bit of an archivist. So I think there's still tapes that he recorded of us playing together when I was four and five years old. Amazing. I got to find those. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Huh. Yeah, I always find it fascinating at what point, uh, you know, people were exposed to the idea of recording, how how good or crappy it was, and then what may have sparked the interest to get into it deeper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I mean, Did you feel like it was like a necessity? When did you move to L.A.? 2012. Right. And did you feel like it was a necessity before you were here? Yeah. Yeah. I had, I was doing some commercial jingle recording in New York. I lived in New York for 10 years before right. moving here. Right. And I was really fortunate to kind of fall into a jingle house um, because an artist I had been working with just said, you know, was going to record a song for a Pantene campaign and was like, Oh, I have a band. We should just bring them in and have them record the song with me. And I just happened to get along with those guys. So they were the ones who really encouraged me to get a home rig. So that's why I bought that Mackie Onyx. Um, and I was doing, I built, I did build a room in my Brooklyn apartment that was like really haphazardly put together, like separated walls and then put moving blankets on everything um, and, and had a recording set up there. Um, and all I could do was super tight, super dry. But and how many mics? But, uh, eight up to eight. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. But I think I yeah I probably would use I would use all eight you know, at that point. Um and you and since then you were understanding phasing at that point or no all right like, oh, okay <laughs> no I mean throw the shit up and and it oh it sounds pretty good like totally I had I had heard what phasing was and I I knew that I was supposed to keep the mics the same distance from the drum and that's about as far as it went if yeah if there was an issue I couldn't tell and I couldn't fix it okay. um I lucked out and uh and actually um yeah I had a studio there at the house when I moved to LA in 2012 I actually moved in with Justin Glasgow mm -hmm. he was my first roommate here yep. um and so not a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> really lucked out there. Uh, I know you've talked to him mm -hmm. and, um, and we converted We had a two and a half car garage at the house we moved into and we converted that into our drum room. And um, man, that was, that was really fun and really uh, eye opening too, because he was so deeply um, knowledgeable in that world that all of a sudden, you know, like, I think I got spoiled, man. It's just like, mm -hmm. he was able to be like, Oh, well, this is what you're doing. Let me just record this whole thing for you. And you just go in and play, and like, uh, right. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, you were watching him. Like you were watching him do it and you're like, Hmm. Okay. Right. Like, yeah. 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 I was like, Oh man, he knows how to dial in sound that good that quickly. Shit. I got to really figure this out. 
And then with my luck, the next house I moved into, we converted the garage. We didn't tell the landlords. We did <laughs> fully, fully like built a room within a room inside this garage that still exists to this day. The landlords never questioned us about it. Um, and I think musicians live in the house now. It's in Mount Washington. Mm. And I moved in with another engineer. And that guy engineered all my drum sessions for me too. Who is that? You know? His name is Pete Racine. Um, okay. And actually, you should totally talk to him. He's got a studio in Echo Park now that he just opened called the Meat Market. Nope, that's Lucy's Meat Market. Yeah, These yeah, places yeah. called the Market. Oh wow, we can we'll edit that. Don't edit it; it's fine. Okay, it's all right. Yeah. I love both of those guys. Yeah. Um, Peter Racine, uh, and he opened it uh, with a buddy of his. The sounds that we got in there are really incredible. They got a nice collection of drums. Um, anyway, Pete was my roommate uh for a couple of years and we had a studio together in our garage as well so i i guess it's kind of like par for the course like i kind of have always just moved into spaces where it kind of works and that's good enough for now you know and and maybe when i retire i'll be able to build a room and and really go for it but for now it's like you know it's great i mean to me that just says that like you've had enough experience you know uh, obviously playing wise, but also just being in the room and helping make decisions and, mm. and listening back and being able to exper experiment, like, you know, whether it's just the right snare drum or, or, or mic placement, you know what I mean? Like you're just absorbing yeah. that stuff for like a long time now, you know, with, with, with super knowledgeable dudes. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Been, been very lucky to have that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, I don't know if you know, do you know Kurt Schneider? I feel like you've mentioned the name before, but I don't, Kurt, I don't Kurt know. was like a big influence on me because Kurt has a very similar size garage. Mm. There was a few years where I was, I was working with Kurt a bunch and, uh, I would just watch him. He would do engineer whole sessions at the same time and play bass and produce. And it was like insanity, but everything always sounded great. Cool. Kind of like, I was like, okay. I gotta, I got, I can do this. I mean, I can't do it yet, but I gotta, you know what I mean? Like I gotta up my game so I can be doing that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, I think it's just invaluable to be able to be in the room. Obviously you have to do your own experimenting, your own playing, but, uh, you just, you know, to be able to just osmosis, man, just watch somebody do it. Yeah. And, ha and, and I think, and have a small say in it. Like, what if we try this? What if we try this? You know? Totally. Totally. I feel like too, that there, I wonder if I've kind of held back on some of my own deep diving because I find the collaborative process with people like you, with people like my former roommates, I find that so much more rewarding because then it's a collaborative effort and we were hopefully both teaching each other about different things, you know, like, or in, in our case, like, I feel like every time I step into that room, I'm just like flabbergasted at how quickly you can be like, Oh, this drum, this symbol, this is what you want. And it, and it's always, you're like, yep, that's it. Perfect. Let's go. You know? Um, and I think to me, like maybe that has helped me back in gaining recording knowledge, but at the same time, I find that process of working with somebody else so much more rewarding than, than working on my own, you know? I don't know if I buy that, but okay. You know what I mean? Sure. I, mean I, think, 
I think you're doing just fine. I just think you're being too humble. You know what I mean? Okay. I mean, I understand what you're saying. You're like, like, it's great to have uh, uh, a partner, musical partner, in mm -hmm. any situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole point of. I sound like a broken record often, but like that's the whole point of why we play music is to make music with other people. And yeah. the idea of like doing this all on your own is super unnatural. In my opinion, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. It's so the idea of like, yeah, I want to, I want a knowledgeable partner in there, whether it's on the engineering side or just helping make musical decisions about the particular thing you're recording, you know? Yeah. I think you're, yeah. Yeah. To me, that makes more sense than anything, you know? Mm hmm Yeah. I agree, man. I, I, I agree. But yeah. It's, I don't know. The collaboration is, is key. Yeah. That's why, I mean, yeah. That's why it exists. Right. <laughs> there's, yeah. The first guy didn't like start playing a, a drum by himself. There was, there was a drum circle, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah right it's right. like he wasn't just like out in the woods like i'm just gonna do this because it's cool it's like no like people are gonna I, yeah i wonder him. there's gonna be a like, you know right i I'm guess probably, yeah i mean had to start somewhere yeah, i mean there had to be the one crazy person in the middle of the woods by themselves doing it alone right maybe but, i don't know I, yeah. yeah we'll never know but yeah it seems like the the point of it was community yeah Totally, totally. Not, totally. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I do hope at some point I can figure out a more permanent solution at my shop so I can start kind of offering that space to other people to record in. Or I, I do, I would really love to start doing like um, a music series in there if mm -hmm. I could. If I, if I start having some extra time to like figure out a way to foster either open studios every couple of months and have friends just come in and perform acoustic um, or, or play duo and trio with people or, or yeah, like straight up have other people come and record their stuff in there. I, I would well, love I to figure out a way to do that. I tell you, because like, it's, it's hard to find those spaces. Um, I was doing this improv gig a handful of years ago at this place called the Redwood bar. It was mm -hmm. fun. Cause I just go in there and just like, yeah, I remember. Yeah. And I stopped like, through a little bit. Yeah. And then like, yeah. you know, that, that gig ended and then we did one and I don't remember what the place was, but it was like an art space and it was super fun, but you know, just for people to have a space to where it's not about how many people are you going to bring in? It's like, well, maybe only 15 people show up, but like you get to go in there and just be creative and do whatever, whether it's a trio gig yeah. or whether it's pure improv or whether it's noise or whether it's, you know, sound bath you know what i mean yeah yeah totally you gotta get on your case man because that that's like <laughs> you know it's it's like a whole nother trip but like to offer a space like that i think is a especially in la where it's so expensive to yeah to do that is like a yeah that's an awesome idea I've and already now, yeah, now you're saying it publicly unless I have cut this out. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, go for it. I would I would love to work that out. I think um yeah, no, the 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 one thing that keeps coming up is like, hey man, are you gonna make a splice sample pack or what? Uh, you know, so I who knows? We might there might be something in the works. There's also a couple machines that sound insane uh in there, and I would love to sample those or figure out a way to do something with that or I, you know, uh, who knows. 
You're, you could be the 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 wood wood Greg Keplinger, the wooden Greg Keplinger. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> All right, that was it. That was the end. <laughs> okay. All right, great. Dude, thank you so much for having me, man. Thanks, dude. That was super yeah. awesome.